Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. What price do you pay for the free things on the Internet? Well, it may not be money, but there may be other costs that you aren't even aware of. My guest today is Deborah Berlin. She is the president of Consumer Policy Solutions and has done a lot of work on this issue. And Deborah, it's so good to welcome you back to Of Consuming Interest. Now, tell me, where do we start in talking about consumers and free things on the Internet? Well, thank you so much, Shirley, for having me back. And this is a really interesting topic because many consumers don't think about this when they're online. So, you know, let's let's back up a little bit and talk about consumers and their online use. Well, first of all, 70% of our consumers own a smartphone and they spend an average of two and a half hours a day on their device. And while they're on these devices, they engage in being on social networks, using numerous apps and browsing on various websites. So while they're on these social networks and their sites, we know many of these are free. And so for consumers, these are all built on an ecosystem of highly successful advertising business. So you're on these sites and they're free and we know you get a lot of ads that sometimes are geared just for you. You'll recognize the fact that you may be looking for a car and lo and behold, ads for cars will pop up or you're thinking of going on a vacation and wow, you see information about vacationing in Florida, just where you have been looking and searching. Where you've been searching. Exactly. It happens all the time. But, you know, we've all heard about the expression, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And I think consumers all need to know this is true, even on the online world. Well, the online world has to make money. I mean, let's face it. So there has to be some way that they're going to pay for the services they're providing. Exactly. Exactly. So I just want to, you know, talk about that free lunch for a moment. We okay. all we all know that when we walk into a happy hour, uh, we have all those free hors d'oeuvres out there. Well, they're free, but we pay for them because we're enticed to go into that bar to drink. So we pay with the cost the of those from. drinks. And <laughs> yes, that's exactly, exactly where the money comes from. And in fact... That expression, there's no such thing as a free lunch, comes from a long time ago when saloons gave a free lunch so that you would come in there and drink. So that's where the expression originated from. Uh, But, you know, that's when we look at the free online world, we're looking at advertisers supporting this ecosystem. So what are the online costs for consumers. So, you know, we can break it down a little bit and let's let's look at what happens when you go online and and what are some of those costs for consumers. You know, you know when you're um, a subscriber and you are a subscriber to data services that you're paying for those data services. But consumers say, well, when I'm online and I go to websites and social networks, it's that's all free. But let's think about it. Is it really free? So let's break that down. Well, first of all, there's the simple cost of our time and viewing these ads. Okay, that's a, a simple cost for consumers. But, you know, there is but some it cost. Is, but yes. it is. And if you, you have to exit out or whatever, so it does 
increase your browsing time. There is there is some cost associated right. with that. But secondly, and this is where we get into a substantial cost for consumers, there's our privacy. And we want I want to talk some more about that when we have this dialogue. Oh, yeah. I, and I want to talk about some of the things that we can do to keep from being tracked. Absolutely. So there's the second cost is our privacy. And the third cost, and this is a huge one for consumers, is that data that's collected about us when we're online, when we are browsing, when we are on these networks, that's a huge cost for consumers that they are not actually aware of. There's lots of data that is collected about us and shared. Is much of it, Debbie, data that will identify us as people or is it... The what they what do they call it metadata or mega whatever that it, the term is right where it's really anonymous but it's it's trends and patterns or is it a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both exactly. Mm-hmm. So there's there's data that's absolutely you know anonymized and not identifiable, but mm-hmm. there's other data that certainly can be identifiable. So there's a huge amount that's collected about us. So you know that's that all adds up. Well, let's just segue on that for a moment. How do consumers know when they visit a website? Now, they can just assume the data is being collected. All right. But how do they know if they can control it? Can they? um, Does anybody read privacy policies? Well, there, there you go. Sure. I mean, really, Debbie? Do you? <laughs> there, so there we go. There's, there's the, there's the catch right there. You know, many, many um, have the privacy policies for consumers to call through where they can get information about how their information is collected and how it is shared and sold and how it is used Mm -hmm. and how they can um, opt in or out of having that information managed. So consumers can review those privacy policies and manage that use. Uh, the next thing you're going to say is, well, do consumers do that? Do and, they? I bet know, I know the answer. Many consumers don't read those privacy policies, and not all of them are very easy for consumers to go through and read through. But they, you know, the privacy policies are there. Yeah. So, so in some the, cases, it, in and, some and cases, and we'll talk later about how new technologies are making it a little bit more difficult to keep up with those privacy keep up with the policies. Okay, so here we are. I want to go browse at my favorite website. How do I keep it from collecting all this data? If I'm going to this website, and let's say I'm using a search engine even, I can go in and eliminate my history on my computer. Does that eliminate the data that's been collected by the search engine? It doesn't, does it? It does stop me from getting from getting a lot of ads. I mean, I do that at a f- rather frequently. Yes, you can You can eliminate those the ads. You can eliminate your history. Mm-hmm. You can manage that. But it's very hard to permanently delete mm-hmm. all that information about you. It's so very it's out there for consumers. Yes, it's out there. That is very difficult. And so for I consumers. guess the big thing that we have to ask ourselves is okay. Now, I've got a lot of convenience. I can find out anything in the world. And and this morning I was looking up a word and I thought, gosh, isn't it wonderful? I talked to my phone and it answers me back and tells me a definition. And but then at the same time, I'm thinking, yeah, that's a little scary in a way. So anyhow, look, on that 
a happy note, let's just take a brief pause here to let our listeners know that they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Deborah Berlin. She is the president of Consumer Policy Solutions, and we're talking about the cost of free, the free things on the Internet. So here we are. Data is collected about us. How do we prevent it? We can go and read the privacy policy. We can take a look at that. We can opt in or opt out if that choice is given to us. Should we be more selective when we're doing things like that? Yeah, and let's back up a minute because, you know, this is not all bad uh, for consumers. There actually is a positive side to this. This makes the advertising world that supports all of this free online a better experience for consumers. So let's talk about that for a minute. As a consumer that is doing these searches and, and experiencing this and participating in the online world, um, enjoying a social network and apps, in, and you are going to be exposed to advertising because that's what supports this, there is a benefit to having that advertising experience be more geared toward Towards you, what I want to see than you. just general ads that exactly. have no bearing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's not all a negative sure. for consumers. And and so there is something to say for that being a, a positive result. Well, I, ha- I mean, I can give you an example. I went on to search for a charging station for, for the phones and tablets in our house because I got tired of sharing plugs with my husband. So when I was doing the search, I put it into, I don't know, one of the search engines, and uh, it came up. And in, in coming up, it came up with a website that I'd not heard of, but that my husband had used and which I ordered from, and I loved it. So there's an advantage of, of the information yes. that's being put out to me. And and you might be able to find better deals yeah, for exactly. something that you're searching exactly. for. I think consumers are very interested in getting discounts. For products that they're looking for. I love to save. I mean, that makes coupons. shopping, in, uh, yeah, shopping on exactly. the internet easy. Exactly. And there are a lot of places that give you coupons. Yes. But on the other hand, I think what consumers are most concerned about and should be concerned about is sensitive information. Mm-hmm. So that's where we perhaps want some caution is very sensitive information that, that you might have, um, health well, information. I was just going to example. say some health issues could be one of the things. Exactly. Financial information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, um, obviously, you know, children in, in, are, who are online, you know, that there are certain uh, parameters that we would want to follow and have uh, a, a better gatekeeper for mm-hmm. when we're online and that fall outside that zone of what may be what's acceptable acceptable yeah, to exactly. being open exactly and and so you know the the question of how, how, what kind of control consumers should have for their data for their information what, what do you see happening uh, debbie in terms of control i mean since I've been in the consumer business, as you have for quite a while, I mean, I've seen the evolution of, of consumer pi- privacy policies, for example. Mm-hmm. It used to be that websites wouldn't have anything. You didn't know what was happening with your data. Well, there was such a push on that you got to put up right. a privacy policy. And then privacy right. policies were so dense you couldn't read them. And then there was a push, well, you got to make them more simple. And then there was the opt-in and opt-out. And there's been all kinds of things going on. Where are we right now in terms of protection of privacy, and yet at the same time, the free exchange of information that will fuel the Internet. 
Well, that's a good question, Shirley. I think that where we are now is there has been, first of all, there's been, as you say, a great revolution mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the industry itself recognizing the need. And we have seen over the course of you know the past years a um, self-regulatory move to incorporate privacy and privacy protections into the sites and into the products themselves. Well, that can be good business for one absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that I think that the the industry itself has seen the necessity of privacy. They have seen that as an advantage in the marketplace. And when we do get to talking about new technologies, that's something that is I think critically important because it gets more difficult you don't to uh, to have privacy policies when you're talking about machine to machine. Well, let, let's let's move into, into that. Unless you have something but else you want to add. Well, I do want to. We, we do, and we can maybe talk about it at the end. Uh, okay. Then talk about sort of the government role, and I do want to talk about that because that is an element to it as well. Okay. Where the policy, you know, the the privacy policy does come into play as okay. well. But you know, I but as far as the industry itself, there has been an evolution of sorts of of the industry working uh, to to make that change. Uh, so, you know, privacy policies that that are that consumers can read and make options uh, it, are, are one thing and and happen. Um, there's been debate in the um, in the government arena, in the government policy arena about privacy protections. And I. Uh, I, I think that that debate continues. There uh, was some action earlier in the year to not, I wouldn't say roll back because the, the protections had not been implemented yet, that um, the previous FCC leadership had uh, instituted but had not been implemented yet, mm-hmm. were rolled back. And um, I think one thing that will be very helpful is to get the FTC back in the game of protecting consumer privacy, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I think that will happen. Had had it, that been primarily moved to the FCC? I mean, the FTC, I it, always it, think it, of them it, as, it, it as being there to help me. Yeah, It had. Uh, it had with the most recent FCC action, uh, but that was changed by a congressional action uh, earlier this year, and now it. I think it will um, hopefully get back to being shared with the FTC, which would be very helpful, I think, because mm-hmm. they have always been uh, uh, involved in the protection of consumer privacy, sure. and I think that that Absolutely. will be very help. That will be very helpful. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, but as we look ahead to new technologies, I think there are new challenges because we have we have technologies now where your uh, your refrigerator is going to communicate. Directly with perhaps the you know a uh, Amazon you Echo device. You have a smart device. house. <laughs> you'll have a smart. You can have. You'll have smart appliances. Smart house, and, smart appliances. But but maybe a dumb homeowner. Okay. <laughs> and so that's challenging. You know, you will have one device communicating with another device. What happens to that data? You know, you've got your Nest thermostat, and you've got your car, and you've got all of the all of these appliances that are collecting data about you and about your behavior. 
So what happens to that data and how does the consumer manage the information that's collected. Let's just take a brief pause here, and we're going to come back and answer that question. You're listening to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Deborah Berlin. She's the president of Consumer Policy Solutions, and we're talking about the free things on the Internet. And and what is the actual cost? I mean, there are some costs. It may not be money, but it could be your privacy. So going back to the new technology, the smart, yes. the smart house, the smart... Uh, thermostat, the smart refrigerator and the stove, and it's your phone's telling the stove when to turn on, et cetera, et cetera. And the smart car. The smart car, right. yes, yes, exactly, which where you're tracked everywhere you go, which is a little scary also. There's, um, mm, yeah, it makes me want to turn off everything sometimes, Deborah. Um, so how do you manage this? I mean, I, I sit here and I, I like my technology and I use it. But I certainly am not an expert on it. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to us are saying, I don't want to throw up my hands and give up. So what do I do? Well, I think that's there are great minds working on these these issues. First of all, there are there are privacy experts working on these issues and, and thinking and working with the industries that are developing these products. And that's why I say I think it's really important that the the companies that are involved in the product development are taking privacy and thinking about that in the product development and, and putting that into the products themselves because that's going to be really important when we have products that we can't take a privacy, po- you know, look at a privacy policy mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically, you know. So it, d- does it boil down to the consumer having to make a choice of whether or not you want to share all this data or where you want all these free services? Well, I think it comes down to a consumer, number one, being aware of the privacy issues for everything that they have that has perhaps a, a privacy implication where there is data involved that is collected about them and understanding the opportunity there for abuse of that data or what, you know, what this more sensitive information that could potentially be collected. Right. right. A lot of people say, well, I don't worry about it. I mean, that seems to be a a rather prevailing attitude. A lot of people that I know, I don't think they even even question it. I think, you know, you and I being in the consumer world as much as we are, I think we probably question it a lot more, but I still do everything that I want to do online. I just erase my history sometimes and then I get silly ads. Yeah. That's okay. I get tired of looking at the shoes that I just looked at online. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, absolutely. You know, I'm an advocate for getting people online. And I, I certainly would never be a proponent for someone not going online because of these issues. I think it's really important. That people, I think go it can be almost a side issue that you have to know about and manage it yourself and figure out what you're going to do and what you're going to reveal. Right. Well, now, are there some are there some websites? I don't mean to mention them by name, but in the category that we should be particularly concerned about when we go on, like like going to some of the medical information and things like that. Now, my brother, who just recently died, had Parkinson's. And I did a lot of research online on Parkinson's. Um, I never found that that impacted me in any way. 
But, you know, it may be that somebody's sitting out there thinking that I have Parkinson's. And, you know, you never know. Um, you never know how it's used. Yeah. I, you know, I think when you That's do, unlikely, do a I lot of medical search, could you potentially get an advertisement for, uh, you know, some sort some of medicine, medicine device or whatever? Or a, you know, some sort of medical but, device. But, you know, that may not be a bad thing either because it could make you aware of what's new and developing out there. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we have to take take a look at this kind of step back in one way and say, okay, I know you're collecting all this information. Can you use it against me? Is it something that I don't want you to have? Gives me a little bit of creepy feeling in a way to know that all that data is out there, but I know it's out there. Mm-hmm. Well, there are. I think you'd uh, you have know, to be a hermit not to have a record somewhere. And I, I thought you might be asking if there were organizations working on these issues, thinking about these issues, and there certainly and there are. are. I know there are. There are great groups that are considering the issues and the implications for consumers. And well, what I think would that you what would you advise a consumer who's sitting here listening to us and saying, mm, "Okay, how is my data being used?" What would you tell them to do? Well, I would tell them to uh, look at the privacy policies, read the privacy policies, consider your options and your choices, and be aware. Uh, you know, and, and take and take action if you want to. You know, I find some websites your choices are very, and are, controls. Some websites are very straightforward. They will say to you. We do not share your private information. We do not share mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. your information or anything. Some, I mean, I'm a great online shopper. Let's face it. I mean, it's the convenience is just incredible, and a lot of the websites will say that right when you're putting in your information that it is not shared with anyone else. And I appreciate that. Um, as someone who used to be, I used to feel I was catalog queen of Bethesda because I'd get so many catalogs. And, and I realized that it was just because I would order something from one catalog and they sold it to everybody in the world. And and that's the kind of thing that can happen online. Right, right. Now, I think that the the awareness of, of what you're doing online is important. It's just like with online safety. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as, you know, just be a savvy So read the privacy consumer. policy. Think about what the information is and how it could impact you. Well, suppose you're going online and searching about something that has to do with alcoholism or mental health. And if you go to apply to a job, is there any way they're going to know that? It would be if only if you posted it or did something stupid online? Well, I think, I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you have a, you know, a resume, whatever information is out there about you mm-hmm. in this new world is available. I tell you, but, I do get but concerned I don't, you know, about I don't, all the, the people posting all the pictures saying where they are. I mean, I don't know. I, it seems to me like we're rather loose with information these days. We've gotten very casual about it. Yeah, I mean, I think consumers need to go on trusted sites. We always say that, mm-hmm. you know, be on a trusted site, be be careful with the type of information you share online. They don't, you Absolutely. know, don't share financial information, social security numbers. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, no personal identifiable information that that uh, you know, and and appropriate pictures. We've Absolutely. talked about that. 
in the past. A lot to think about, Deborah. Yeah. Thank you. You have to come back and we have to continue this conversation oh, because there's so Thank much you, more Shirley. that we, we need to do. You've been listening to Of Consuming Interest right here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. My guest has been Deborah Berlin. She is the president of Consumer Policy Solutions. We don't want to make you scared about going on the Internet. We want to make you think about it. Think about information, think about privacy policies, and maybe read a few of them. And they might put you to sleep if you need a bed, you know, a sleeping pill. So anyway, I'm Shirley Wooker. We thank you very much for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.